0: All right. Good morning. It's a little bit wet out uh, morning outside, but um, glad to see everyone here this morning. Uh, if you would turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, uh, this will be a verse scripture that we're going to start off this uh, this morning. Uh, but we're going to go to um, other places here, but uh, that's going to be where we're going to start off. Yo, hold on. Yeah, I'm using it. So just leave it. Yep. Thank you. All right. Um, this month we've been looking at the simplicity of salvation, and uh, I'm so thankful that God made salvation so simple that He didn't give us a huge list of requirements to do. Um, one reason why He made it simple is so that anybody could get saved. Salvation doesn't require a certain deed to be performed. That some cannot do. Uh, I mean, I'm thankful that there's not like this huge, long checklist. And, you know, you have to, oh, I did that one, and did that one, and did that one. And have to accomplish them all. I'm glad that he made it so simple that everybody could get saved. That it didn't matter who you were, uh, what your education level was, uh, uh, what your financial level was. That it didn't matter anything along those lines. But that all he had to do was uh, obey the Scripture. And we're going to look at that this morning. This is why, the, why God says, Whosoever, in John 3.16 and Romans 10.13, He wants people to know that, first of all, Jesus died for the whole world. And that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad that those whosoever's were in the Bible. Because it gives us hope. And it shows us that we can have salvation. But man has always tried to complicate the plan of God. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the New Testament, did this. And they added their traditions instead of obeying just the law that God God gave Moses. Their traditions created bondage upon the Jews and and throughout the New Testament we see Jesus oftentimes purposely breaking these traditions to show that these were not right that these were creating the bondage upon the Jews and upon their own life. See religions today are still and always adding things to the simplicity of the gospel. Some say that you have to that you must be baptized first in order to be saved or that if you can speak in some unknown tongue that that's a a, a sign that you're saved. These are all taking Scripture out of context and are wrong. Baptizing babies and confirmation are all religious traditions that have no impact on the soul of the child. But sadly, many will not read their Bible to see if these traditions are even permitted by God. Uh, They hold to these traditions thinking that their children are safe when in reality, they're not. So how simple is it to be saved then? Salvation is simply repenting of your sin and your way of thinking and turning towards God and the finished work of the cross for forgiveness of your sins. That's how simple it is. If if you're there in Acts chapter 20, let's look at these couple of verses this morning. Acts chapter 20. Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem and he's stopping here Uh, to talk to to the Ephesian elders, uh, pastors of the churches there in, uh, near Ephesus. Verse number 20, it says, um, sorry, verse number 17 in chapter 20. It says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came unto Asia, after what manner I have been with you all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many fears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've shown you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he was preaching. That was the message that he was preaching. For people to repent and to turn towards God. And that's salvation. Uh, We looked at our our memory verse in the Philippian jailer. He he said, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Uh, There's not this list of to-dos and and, uh, all these works that you have to try to do in order to get salvation. It is by faith. Not only did God desire to make salvation simple so that anyone could be saved, but God made it simple because the consequences of rejecting salvation are very serious and eternal. Um, Luke, uh, turn with me if you would, to Jude chapter 22. Luke, or sorry, Jude, 20, Jude 22. So right before the book of Revelation, small little book, it's one chapter. So Jude chapter one twenty two. Verse 22 was key in in me getting saved. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian church or a a Christian home at all. And it wasn't until people who were showing this compassion upon me and the situation that I was going through, the brokenness that I was going through with uh, losing my younger sister uh, to cancer. And um, as I was um, in that that brokenness and, and people just... From the from the, the Grace Baptist Church in, in Gaylord, Michigan. They just loved on, on my family and I. And I saw a difference that I've never seen before. And um, verse 22 and 23, they go together. Because verse 22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. But notice that there's a colon after that. It means the thought's not finished. Verse number 23 says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. It was the, the goodness and the compassion of others that brought me to church. That wanted me to come there to hear the gospel and, and come to church. But it was the reality of hell that got me saved. When I began to hear the gospel and when I began to hear that, that um, if I didn't get saved, that there was a consequence of, of, of my sin... And that uh, there was a place that I would be going because of my sin. And I thought I was a pretty good person. You know, I, I according to the world standards, I was a, a very good kid. Um, but I had a lot of pride in that. And, uh, and it took several times for the hearing the, the word of God and hearing the, the plan of salvation to finally get through to my heart that uh, my goodness isn't going to get me to heaven. My goodness wouldn't get me to heaven. And, and as I was listening to the preaching on November 14th of 1999, uh, the Holy Spirit knocked on my heart and He said, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're never going to see your sister again. Because I knew that, G- that uh, my sister had trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Uh, and she, I knew that she was saved and that she was, was going to be in, in heaven. And that night I realized that I was not on, on the path to heaven. I was on the path to hell even though as good as I was and as, as self-righteous as I was, that it meant nothing, that I was on my way to a devil's hell. And that evening, and I, I, I finally surrendered and said, Lord, I, I, I can't do it my, my own way anymore. I, have to, I know I have to trust Christ as my Savior. And so that evening, um, I went forward and I, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. Um, it was the reality of hell is what brought me to the point where I need to get saved. And, um, and this morning, that's what I want to preach on to you. This God made it simple because of the reality of hell and of the lake of fire. And that's, that's what I want to focus on this morning. Hell is real. It's not just a, a fairy tale. It's not just something that we tell our children to keep them in line. It's not some place where the boogeyman hides and things like that. Hell is real. And this morning I want to look at it through Scripture. Um, let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank You so much. Lord, I do thank You so much that You love me, that You went to that cross for me, and for those here. And Lord, I pray that You would just speak to our hearts to this morning. God, That um, that You would stir our hearts to the reality that there is an eternity. And some will either go to heaven, but the majority will go to hell unless they are told about the Gospel. Unless they believe and and repent of their sin and turn towards You. Father, I pray that there's someone here that does not know that they are saved. That does not know that that salvation is theirs and that they're on the way to heaven. Lord, I pray that You would open their mind and open their heart this morning that they're on the path to hell. And God, that they would not choose that path this morning. Father, I pray that You would just help me, help me to say what You want me to say, Lord. And I pray that You would just use this message to speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, hell was originally created for the devil and his angels. It was never created for a man. Uh, it was never God's intention for a man to, to, for their soul to be in hell. Uh, but because of their sin, that was where they were. They had to go. Um, but it was never intentionally that that God designed it for that purpose. He designed it specifically for the devil's angels, according to, to Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse number forty-one. But this morning, I want to look at an example that God gives us, that Jesus Christ gives us. Turn if you would to Luke chapter sixteen. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. We're going to pretty much stay here most of the the morning. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. Verse number 19 says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. They cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send them to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Father Abraham, But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This morning I want to show an example as given by Jesus. If you look here in verse number 19 through 22, Jesus introduces two men. Um, Jesus specifically names Lazarus. Rather than just saying it was a rich man and a beggar. Jesus wanted us to know that this is a real event that happened and not just a parable. See, some people think, well, this is just a parable that God is just that Jesus is just kind of speaking about, just kind of is it's not a real occurrence. No, there was a real man named Lazarus that he was pointing out. That's why he he specifically gave this man's name. Look at verse number nineteen. Says here, and there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple, and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Um, we see the condition of the two men. The the first one, the rich man, he was clothed in the best, and he was very well fed. You know, he had he had everything that he wanted. Every single day, he had exactly what he wanted. He I mean, you know, didn't have to worry about food. Didn't have to worry about clothing. Didn't have to worry about a care in the world. But look at verse number 20. It says here, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Lazarus was a sick beggar. He had sores that were caused by probably disease. Um, He had nothing to his name. Not even his next meal. He begged outside the gate of the rich man, hoping that he would be generous and, and, and be able to give Him at least a little bit of, of, of crumbs. And verse number 21 says, "...and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and, and licked his sores." Um, Jesus is telling us this event to wake some of us up to the reality of hell. This is specifically why He's given us this portion of Scripture. But even though we see the different uh, standings in society, we see the rich man and and this beggar Lazarus, even though they came from two different uh, status quo, I guess you could say, in society, they did have something common between them. The fact is, they both died. They both died. You see, death is not biased by who you are when it's your time to go. Death does not care how highly educated. He doesn't care about your social status. He doesn't care about the amount of wealth you have. He doesn't care about your gender, your health, your nationality, or your age. When your time is come, you will die. The only thing that's going to prevent that is the rapture. But, for the, for, but pretty much count on it that if the Lord doesn't come back, we're all going to die one day. That's, that's life you know we were, we're born and we will die sometimes the decisions that we make we hasten our our time to die and it causes an early death hold your place here but turn to Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 27. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We're all going to die one day, but after this there will come a judgment. We'll look at that later uh, later this morning. Also turn to Acts chapter 17. As we go back to Luke, let's stop in Acts chapter 17 first on the way back. Acts chapter 17, verse number twenty nine. <clears throat> Paul here is preaching in Athens to a bunch of people who are very high minded philosophers, um, people who are very religious. And verse number thirty, or sorry, verse number twenty nine says. Uh, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. In other words, God can't be created. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. And of course, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the response of the people. And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, <clears throat> some mocked. And others said, We'll hear again thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. So here he he just told them straight away that uh, before God was maybe a little bit more lenient. But now he's commanding everyone, men everywhere to repent. Because there is coming a day that God will judge the world. Lazarus, though his life was difficult, believed in God. He never blamed God for his condition. And he went on to Abraham's bosom Or it's also called paradise. The rich man, though, never took his sins seriously, nor considered his standing with God. He had everything that he wanted without God, and for refusing to believe in God, he went to hell. This is a pitfall that many who are wealthy fall into. They believe that they don't need God, and that their wealth will take care of them. Well, I want to look this morning and focus mainly here on the rich man's experience. You look back in uh, Luke chapter sixteen, verse number twenty-three. First thing we're going to look at is that he was in torment. Though his physical body had died, his soul is eternal, and it can feel pain. You see this this thing here, this flesh here. This is going to pass away. It's going to be. It's going to go into the ground. It's going to be buried. But that's not who you are. You're not this flesh. There's a part of you called your soul. That is who you are. Um, that, that, is, that is your that is your, individual, that's your individuality. That is, that is the real person that you are. All this flesh is, is just a casing. It's a shell. And when this flesh will die, your soul will go in one of two places. It will go either to heaven... Or it will go to hell. There is no limbo. There is no purgatory. There is no holding place. It is one of two destinations. Hell is not just a state of mind, and it's definitely not going to be one big party. I mean, you talk to people on the streets, and, and you start telling them about hell, and like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I don't want Jesus Christ. I'm going to go there with my buddies, and we're going to have a good old time. You know, we're going to we're going to crack uh, we're going to crack uh, crank out the uh, the beer and, and uh, we're just going to have a good old time down in hell. Can I tell you, this is never going to happen. And uh, the, the the party that they think gonna, is going to happen in their mind is just a, a lie of the devil and a lie of their flesh. Because they don't want to to think about the reality that there may be a place of torment. See, hell, hell is a place of torment and agony that no one has ever before experienced. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, uh, 22, 13, and 25, 30 describe it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been in so much pain that you cannot stop the tears? And that your teeth are just clenched so hard that you cannot even open your mouth because you're in so much pain? This is the degree of a pain a person in hell experiences continually with no reprieve. No reprieve at all. Scripture also says that those in hell are tormented by worms. Go to Mark chapter 9, verse number 44. Mark. Uh, chapter 9 verse number 44 I'm sorry um, verse number 43 it says here and if thy hand offend thee cut it off it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter in the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now He's not actually talking about cutting off your hand and feet and, and your eye. He's not talking about that physically, literally. Um, he's talking about if there's things in your life that are causing you to stumble, causing you to fall into sin, causing you to, uh, to not live the Christian life that you should be living, but living, going back into the world and, and, and uh, living a life of sin. He's saying you need to cut those things off. Um but the reason why I wanted to show you these scriptures, because he here is describing hell very well. And the sad part is, a lot of the newer versions of the Bibles, they remove three of those verses out of that portion of scripture, where it says, The worm dieth, or the, where the worm dieth not, um, and the fire is not quenched. Because the newer Bibles, they don't want people to know about hell, they don't want people to know. That's that's why it's a danger sometimes, to go with what the world is is promoting. God here warns us over and over and over throughout Scripture that hell is real, that hell is a place of torment, and that this is what's gonna this is what's awaiting people who refuse to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is the reality. Look, at, uh, go back to, to Luke chapter sixteen. Verse number twenty-four. Verse number twenty-four. And he cried and said, "Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." Not only do we see that he was in torment, but we also see that he was thirsty. See, the rich man reveals to us that he has been tormented by the flames of fire. Not only was he physically feeling the pain of the flames, but his throat was parched. Have you ever been so thirsty that even a drop of water would bring relief? This is how he felt all the time. And he was constantly, have have, have you ever been seriously burned before? Perhaps either by a very bad sunburn or or uh you know maybe you, you burn yourself on maybe a scald yourself on a cup of tea or something like that and you, and you really burn yourself really bad uh when I was younger about i think about ten fourteen years ago i i was i did some something really stupid really dumb um it was a very hot July day, and I decided to go out to the beach and I didn't wear any kind of sunscreen didn't didn't uh um, bothered to do anything, and, and it was a very sunny day. Well, I uh, I laid out in the sun, and uh, you know I didn't have my I took off my shirt and things like that, and laid on my stomach, and I fell asleep, and I was out there for a couple hours, and um, that uh, you know that afternoon wasn't too bad. That next day, wow, did I hurt! And um, I, I truly believe that I got second-degree burns on my body to the point where I could not lay down. I, co- went to, I couldn't go to sleep because I felt constant burning in my shoulders, in my body. I mean, I, to, to, to sleep, I, I could only lean forward, uh, you know, like in a, in a slouch, and that's how I could sleep. The only way that I could get relief is that I would uh, draw a bath of cool water, like lukewarm water. And I was able to kind of just lay a little bit in it without having any pressure to lay down on my back because it hurts so much to have any kind of touch. I mean, you know, you try to put aloe cream or anything like that, you know, aloe vera on it. And I mean, just to touch it just was just agonizing. And um, it was a reminder to me when I went through that, that... This is the kind of burning and torment that the people in hell experience every single moment and for all of eternity. Constantly feeling that fire, that flame, that burning. And it just, it, it just made me realize just how thankful I was that I trusted Christ as my Savior. Look at verse number 25. Not only was he thirsty when he was in torment, but he was without relief. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But how, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence can, to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come unto thence. So here he's saying that Nothing and no one could bring him relief. You see, uh, before, as Christ is telling this occurrence, this happened before the cross. And before the cross, when a person of faith in God died, their soul went to paradise within the earth. Uh, if If you want to imagine within the earth, there was two places. There was hell and there was a place called paradise or Abraham's bosom. And between them was a great gulf, a great uh, chasm, a great pit, that, uh, so that the people in hell could never cross over to the people in paradise. And the people in paradise could never cross over to the, the, the people in, over there that were contained in hell. Um, that's, why, that's why the man in hell could see Abraham. He could see that he was over there. And that's why he could see Lazarus and things like that. But that's why Abraham said, there's no way that we can cross this, this, this cavern. Uh, Now this was this was because this before the cross happened. Um, This is why Jesus told the thief on the cross beside him that he would be in paradise that day with Jesus. And when Jesus died, he went to paradise. He didn't go to hell. And between his death and the resurrection, he brought the Old Testament saints to heaven, according to Ephesians chapter four, verses eight through ten. And once they were gone, hell grew and took over the area where paradise was, which was prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 5, verses 14 through 16. And so when Jesus died, he went down into paradise. And during those three days that he was in the earth, uh, he brought them up into heaven before he was resurrected. And then, um, so that way that, the people that were in paradise are all gone. It's empty. Um, and so hell took over that space. And so that, th- there was no way that he was going to be able to have relief because there was no way of crossing that divide. It was impassable and there was no way Lazarus could have gone to hellside and given the rich man relief. This rich man was stuck. Uh, let's look at verse number 27. We're going to see his plea with Abraham. Then he said, because he, re- he realized that he, okay, that he's not going to be able to have any relief. Verse number twenty seven says, Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Abraham, but if one went unto them in the in the dead, or from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rose from the dead. You see, the rich man realized that he, was, he wasn't he was going to get any relief. And his thoughts went to his family that was left behind. He had five family members who were still alive. Sadly, finally, now his attention was upon others instead of only himself. You see, before he died, he lived a life of self luxury all he cared about was what he had he didn't care about who was outside his gate didn't care about if there was anybody who had needs all he cared about was himself but finally he starts to think about others but sadly it's too late you see he did he did not want them to come to hell as well and suffer the torment that he was faced with so he makes one earnest plea for his family if you are lost this morning those in hell today are pleading that you not make the same mistake that they have made by rejecting Jesus Christ, rejecting salvation. We look at Abraham's response, and it seems it seems kind of hard, kind of calloused almost to a degree. You know when we see it, where he says they he has Moses or he has Moses and the prophets. What Abraham is telling them. Uh, is that they have the Word of God, they have the scriptures, and everything in the scriptures contains of a warning of how not to end up in hell, but the rich man doesn 't think that 's enough and tells Abraham that surely, if they saw someone return from the dead, that they would then believe I mean you know yeah we 've got the Word of God, but nobody nobody 's paying attention to it, nobody wants to listen to it. You know, Surely, if, if someone rose from the dead, that they would listen to them. But look at verse number 31. And this is the key. And he said to them, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. You see, Abraham tells them that if they will not listen to the word of God, then not even a miraculous event like someone coming back from the dead would convince them. This is why God seems to not respond to those who uh, declare for God to prove His existence. If they will not listen to the Bible and God's word, they will not listen or consider a miraculous event. I mean, you look at it all the time and say, you know, God, prove if you're if you're really there, prove yourself to me, prove that you exist and uh and he's already given us everything that we need to know about God everything that we need to know about salvation everything we need to know about our life and how to live life and and everything we know we need to know about how to avoid the destination of hell and things like that he's given us everything that we need to know but people don't want this they want some sensation uh sensationalism they want some uh uh feel good message they want some kind of um you know, experience that uh, that makes them feel more spiritual, things like that. They don't. They really don't want the Word of God. And that's where they're gonna. That's where they're gonna fail. Lastly, this morning we're gonna see his regret. See, Jesus finishes the story with Abraham's response. The thing that should that should grieve you the most is that this man is still in hell. 2,000 years later. And will be there until His day of judgment at the great white throne. So what's going to happen next to Him then? Well, let's go take a look. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. We are finished in Luke chapter 16. But Revelation chapter 20. See, hell isn't the last stop for a person who has rejected Christ. Hell is only a temporary place. It gets far worse. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. Here John writes, as he's seen in the future, as he's there in heaven in the future, and he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. was cast into the lake of fire. So one day, this rich man, he's going to stand before God and God's going to show him every single opportunity, I believe, where he could have gotten saved, where he could have turned towards God, where he could have been forgiven of his sin. And every single time he said, nah, don't want it right now, and rejected it, and did not want to believe. And, he, and he's going to ask him, if, and he's going to say, is this is this man's name in the book of life? And when it is not there, He is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now thankfully, this great white throne of judgment is a place that only the lost will go to. No Christian will go there. No Christian will ever stand before this great white throne of judgment. Only those who have rejected Christ. Can I ask you this morning, have you been born again? Have you trusted Jesus Christ alone as your Savior? If you have not, this is your fate. This is the fate that you have chosen for yourself. Consider your eternity, because once you've taken your last breath, it is too late to repent and trust Christ as your Savior. This is why it's our responsibility to tell others. Can you see now why God is so serious about the soul of mankind and why He loves us so much that He sent His Son to be crucified in our place so that we can have forgiveness? It is sin that sends someone to hell. There's only one way to obtain forgiveness of that sin and that is Jesus Christ. This is why the disciples went throughout the world to tell others about salvation. So they wouldn't go to hell and that they could be forgiven. This is why Paul traveled thousands of miles uh, throughout the, the book of Acts to tell everyone that he met about the hope of eternal life. This is why missionaries, they leave their home and their families behind to tell others the gospel. It's because they care about the souls of people. They care about, uh, you know, God puts a burden on their heart for, for people who may never have heard the, the gospel in other parts of the world. I said, you know what? Yeah, I've I've heard of salvation and 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 I'm thankful for that, but I must go and tell them because without if I don't go, who will? Who will tell them? Who will go? Because they see that the the the, their soul, the eternity of of the soul of these people are more important than their own life. This is why we are a church here in Balancalic. A church is not in existence just to have ministries or to to be a social club. It is a group of people who have been saved and forgiven and who desire for others to also get saved. Ministries are tools to reach the lost and to strengthen those who are saved. If you have a burden and you want to learn some basics with soul winning, please come the next four Saturdays to the Activity Center. You'll learn some things about soul winning that will be beneficial to you. If you're afraid to talk to someone about God or salvation, start asking God to give you the courage to speak up. It may take time to build your confidence and to overcome your fear, but you will not regret it. And God's word will not return void. Start with what God has done for you and why you became a born-again Christian. Your testimony is very powerful and and it helps you to relate to other people. Pray for people who are lost, that God would remove the blindfold that Satan has put over their eyes. Ask God to soften their heart towards the gospel. Don't stop praying for people. Don't stop praying for your loved ones that still are have not trusted Christ as their Savior, that are still uh, blinded by Satan. Keep praying for them. You see, God takes salvation of a soul, a person's soul seriously. He does not condemn or desire any person to be in hell. Rather, he is long suffering and he gives many he gives people many opportunities to get saved. See, because of our sin, we're condemned already. We're because of our sin, we're already destined to go to hell. But that's why God allowed Jesus Christ to go to that cross is so that we had an alternative. If we trusted Christ as our Savior, we didn't have to continue on that path. That we could uh, be saved from our sin you see god loves you and i so much that even when we were sinners that he sent someone to tell you about jesus christ and what he did for you on the cross i mean who told you the gospel uh because they were they were concerned about your soul they were concerned about where you would spend eternity i'm thankful that that god brought some people across my life to, to, to show me the gospel. Uh, because I would be on my way to hell even today if, if had somebody not intervened and, and cared about my soul. See, God made salvation so simple to understand that even children can understand it. He wanted it to be as easy as possible if only a person would swallow their pride and their self-righteousness and obey what God has said of how to be saved. You see, God does not predetermine certain people to go to hell and to heaven. To even consider it is unscriptural and just wrong for a Christian to think about that and believe. I mean, what, are you blessed because then you, that you, you've been chosen to go to heaven? Is, are you looking down at your nose saying, well, I'm not going to tell them because well they're just on their way to hell? You got the wrong thinking. If you, if you think that God uh, predestines people to go to hell, that's just wrong. Because God loves everybody. He loved you just as much as He does everybody else. And if he allowed you and he gave you the opportunity to hear the gospel, it doesn't mean he doesn't love anybody else less. It's just perhaps no one has told them yet. And no one will go and tell them. It's not because he is with a lightning bolt and saying, ha, you're going to hell and you're going to heaven. He's not that way. He gives everybody an opportunity to get saved. One day we will all face a day of judgment. If you are born again Christian, it will be the judgment seat of Christ. But if you are lost and on your way to hell today, it will be that great white throne. And your destiny will be in the lake of fire for eternity. Hell is not one big party with your buddies. That is a a lie straight from hell itself. I plead with you this morning. Don't let another day or hour go by if you have any doubts about your salvation or where you will spend eternity. Don't risk your soul's eternity. Do something about it today. Don't let another day pass by because you will you may think, well man I, man, I, I got to get saved and, and, you, and you'll leave from church and guess what? you'll forget about it. You'll forget about it. You'll, and, you'll, and you'll think all that and not, not think about it again. So maybe next Sunday or till maybe the next time the Holy Spirit stirs your heart, don't put it off today. Go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and we'll be finished. Father, we thank You so much. Lord, I do thank You that You have revealed in Your Scripture that there is a place called hell. Lord, it's not a pleasant place to even think about. Lord, I know it's not a a message to hear that is a pleasant message because, Lord, it, it should hopefully be convicting of us. Lord of our, yes, those who have been saved, I'm thankful that, um, Lord, that we have, have been saved. Lord, I should put a burden in our heart for those who are lost around us, those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, maybe it'll make us pray more for our family, make us pray more for our co-workers and the people that are around us, our neighbors, God, that maybe it'll just increase our burden, Lord, to be a better witness and to be more mindful of, of where the uh, uh, the eternity is of, of the people around us. Lord, I pray that you would, would allow our eyes not to just to see people, but Lord, that you'd allow us to see this, that, that the souls of people. Lord, if, if they don't hear the gospel, they're on their way to hell. And Lord, I do pray. I know this morning was a hard message. It was hard to preach. But Lord, it was something that, God, you put on my heart. I'm thankful, Lord, that you made salvation so simple because you do not want people to go to hell. You do not want people to go to lake of fire. And you want them to be warned. And Father, I do pray that uh, this morning that we'll take the message to heart. God, that it um, won't be so casual about our Christianity. God, that it was something serious that cost you uh, your life on the cross. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would, Lord, just speak to hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.